Good morning, everyone. It's so good to be with you this morning, whether you are joining at Central Hall or, like me, you're at home. We're carrying on our series this morning, beginning the first of what will be three weeks, looking at some important moments in the life of Moses. And like you had Zach for a couple of weeks, you've got me for the first two weeks of that. Moses is a central figure in God's restoration plan, and you'll be familiar with lots of elements of his story from his beginnings in a, a basket. Any new parents will likely have had his namesake, a Moses basket beside their bed, right through to the exodus from Egypt, crossing the Red Sea, the Ten Commandments. It is a string of big hitting stories. And as we follow this arc of scripture together, this term, as we see God's faithfulness worked out across generations, generations and as we begin to understand our part in it Moses is key we've already walked through the beauty and the wonder of creation the shattering reality of sin breaking our connection with God and the first steps of covenant or promise that Zach opened up for us last week through Abraham the beginnings of relationship restored that will be worked out in fullness eventually and completely through Jesus in Moses, we see the threads of relationship and responsibility further weave together as he follows God's leading. Courage is a real marker in the life of Moses. And today we're going to explore its unexpected beginnings because the bravery and the courage that Moses exuded in his life and leadership stemmed from the bravery and courage of five women who each played a part in the early stages of Moses' life. So we're reading from the Bible this morning from the book of Exodus, which is the second book in the Bible. So it's near the beginning. If you've got a Bible with you, I'd love you to follow along or follow along on the Bible on your phone. But if not, it's going to come up on the screen. And I'm going to read from Exodus 1, starting at verse 15. The king of Egypt said to the Hebrew midwives, whose names were Shipra and Puah, when you are helping the Hebrew women during childbirth on the delivery stool, if you see that the baby is a boy, kill him. But if it is a girl, let her live. The midwives, however, feared God and did not do what the king of Egypt had told them to do. They let the boys live. Then the king of Egypt summoned the midwives and asked them, why have you done this? Why have you let the boys live? The midwives answered Pharaoh, Hebrew women are not like Egyptian women. They are vigorous and give birth before the midwives arrive. So God was kind to the midwives and the people increased and became even more numerous. And because the midwives feared God, he gave them families of their own. Then Pharaoh gave this order to all his people. Every Hebrew boy that is born, you must throw into the Nile but let every girl live. Now a man of the tribe of Levi married a Levite woman and she became pregnant and gave birth to a son. When she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him for three months. But when she could hide him no longer, she got a papyrus basket for him and coated it with tar and pitch. There she placed the child in it and put him among the reeds along the bank of the Nile. His sister stood at a distance to see what would happen to him. Then Pharaoh's daughter went down to the Nile to bathe and her attendants were walking along the riverbank. She saw the basket among the reeds and sent her female slave to get it. She opened it and saw the baby. He was crying and she felt sorry for him. This is one of the Hebrew babies, she said. 
Then his sister asked Pharaoh's daughter, shall I go and get one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you? Yes, go, she answered. So the girl went and got the baby's mother. Pharaoh's daughter said to her, take this baby and nurse him for me and I will pay you. So the woman took the baby and nursed him. When the child grew older, she took him to Pharaoh's daughter and he became her son. She named him Moses saying, I drew him out of the water. Five women, each walking in courageous conviction, each participating in the restoration of committed relationship between God and humanity and each stepping boldly into the calling and God-given responsibility laid out before them. As Zach said last week, we are not interested in just being intellectually competent in our understanding of the Bible and what it means. We are doers of the word, practitioners of this grace-filled life. What we know matters, what we understand matters even more, but how we then live in the light of that is paramount. So let's start with the midwives because they begin the story that would lead to Moses. And to understand it, we need to go back a little bit further. The Israelites, the Jewish people, were immigrants who had settled in Egypt a few generations before and for some of that time had enjoyed peace in the land. But under the rule of this new pharaoh, they were suffering great oppression. Pharaoh saw their growing population as a threat and his solution was a grim one. Solve the problem of this ever-growing population that might rise up against me by killing the children who are the wrong gender and the wrong ethnicity. Here, the Hebrew baby boys. And that way, eventually the population will deplete and die out. Keep the girls. They may be useful as wives or concubines for the Egyptians. It is a horrifying story. The Hebrew midwives, whose names we know as Shipra and Puah, were given direct instructions from the ruler that they were the ones to carry out the decree. Can you imagine? These women are just midwives, normal working women. They are not high ranking officials. They didn't have friends in high places. They didn't know what would happen if they refused, but you can imagine some of the possibilities. And yet it was they who had this foreboding personal invitation from Pharaoh to be his henchmen and carry out his terrifying plan against their own people. I love these women. They are truly incredible because look at what they did next. Nothing. Verse 17, the midwives, however, feared God and did not do what the king of Egypt had told them to do. They let the boys live. In the face of probable punishment, under the rule of a vicious regime, and with no earthly status, wealth or connection to fall back on, these women quietly stood in defiance of Pharaoh's orders and just went about doing their jobs. Why? Well, the beginning of that verse gives us the clue. It wasn't just because they thought it was wrong and unjust, which it was. Their motivation came from somewhere else. It was because the midwives feared God. The word fear in this context is best translated as reverence, as devotion. They are devoted to God. They worship God. They follow God. And so they reject and ignore the king's corrupt and brutal edict and let the boys live. What does your devotion to God lead you to? Is devotion to God your main driver in your life? 
These women showed conviction to the highest degree. They had a surety about what they believed, who they believed, and how they then should act. And when asked to compromise those convictions, they refused. They were principled and strong. They had gumption, like in the movie The Holiday, if you know it, when the old man gets Kate Winslet to believe in herself by watching all of the old movies with the great leading ladies because she should be the leading lady in her own life, for goodness sake, right? It's a niche reference, I know, but if you get it, you get it. When the shaking comes as it has come this year, we deeply feel our need to have something that we feel sure of, right? That we can hold on to. Conviction will grind you. It will keep you steady in the storm. Conviction will guide you. It will be your compass when you feel lost. And conviction will refine you. It will strengthen and solidify your character so that you will know with deep assurance who you are. But the source of our conviction really matters. It shouldn't just come from anywhere. As Christians, our conviction comes from God's word. It is our light, our guide, and our anchor. That's why we do Rooted. That's why we're reading the New Testament in a hundred days, not because it's a good challenge or it's something to say we've done, or it's delightful to listen to some wonderful people in our church family read the Bible to you every day, which it is. We're doing it because God's word should be our first port of call. Yet, for so many of us, it isn't. Take a real honest stock of yourself right now. Something happens, not a big thing. We're actually generally pretty good at seeking God in the desperate moments. I mean, just a tricky day, a hard conversation, a decision. What's your guide? What's the first thing that comes to mind? Is it the word of God? Maybe it is, but maybe it's not. Because we struggle with it, we don't know it very well, or we're confused by it, all really normal reactions to the Bible sometimes. Do you know what helps? Familiarity and regularity. You need to become regularly familiar with this word because it is living and active. It is powerful and it will deeply affect your life. It will deeply affect and transform your life. These midwives, they didn't have the Bible like we do, but they did have the knowledge of the teachings of God stored up in their heart and their mind, so much so that when the rubber hit the road, it radically affected how they lived. Courage as a Christian is good and it is necessary, but it is wrought in the dogged, persistent path of conviction that comes from being deeply familiar and rooted in the word of God. Get yourself some conviction. As we carry on in this passage, we see that Pharaoh wasn't done. He questioned the midwives who spun him a tale and he took matters back into his own hands. His next decree was even more horrifying still, infanticide. And it's here that we meet our protagonist Moses and our next two women, a mother and daughter duo, Jochebed and Miriam. The birth of a child is meant to be a glorious and celebrated moment, yet for this mother, for Jochebed, it was covered with pure terror. 
because her son Moses was in grave danger. He was a Hebrew boy. She couldn't hide him forever and it would only be a matter of time before he was snatched from her home and drowned in the Nile River. Interestingly, another baby boy many generations later also faced a similar fate. Jesus was born under the threat of infanticide. And that's not an unimportant link. Moses as a freedom bringer is a reflection of the ultimate freedom to come through Jesus. There is audacious creativity that we see in this woman here, willing to do anything, to go to any lengths to protect her son. And her plan was to hide him in plain sight, in the very place that Pharaoh's plans were destining him for, the Nile. So Moses is laid in his basket and his sister Miriam is charged with watching over him. They knew this wasn't a long-term plan. A floating basket in a river is not a long-term solution to childcare. But they were desperate and they were deeply committed to this child. And so they were doing whatever they could to keep him safe, praying that God would do the rest. If conviction is our internal driver, what we hold on to in our hearts and in our heads, then commitment is what we do with our hands and our feet. I wonder what commitment looks like in your life right now. Some of you will have committed to a person, some to this city, some to a lease, to a job, to a mortgage. Some of you long for commitment. Some of you run from it. In Miriam, we see an admirable and courageous commitment, a commitment that we can learn from. Miriam was young. She was a child herself, and yet that didn't stop her from committing to stay with her baby brother by the river to guard and watch over him. Age, stage, and status does not disqualify you from embracing commitment in God's kingdom. Neither she nor her mother had any guarantees that this would be safe or would even work. And yet she committed to do her part. Not knowing the end of the story should not stop us from courageous commitment in the kingdom of God. And when she had the opportunity to speak to someone who could help, Pharaoh's daughter, she courageously stepped out and made her bold offers. Courageous commitment usually will require us at some point to step out from the proverbial bulrushes and speak up. Commitment is a calling to us as followers of Jesus. It's a responsibility that we see reflected all across scripture right through to the ministry of Jesus. When we look at the disciples, we don't know how old they were, but we do know that they were a pretty ragtag bunch. Their status did not act as a disqualifier in Jesus' call to them to commit to him. Have you allowed, perhaps inadvertently, your age, your stage of life, or your status to act as a disqualifier in the commitment that you can give to Jesus, to your faith? When the disciples were called to follow Jesus, they had no idea, like Miriam, like Jochebed, what the outcome would be. Yet, they still followed. Has worry and fear of the future, of the unknown, perhaps the weight and the strain of this year, has it stifled your desire towards commitment to Jesus, to your faith, to your belief? 
And when Jesus ascended to heaven, he left his disciples and us with a very clear mandate to go and tell. You're going and telling will look different from the next person, but there are opportunities in your life to step up and to speak out in your own way. What might they be? We come to our final of these five women with Pharaoh's daughter. And she's the outsider here, the kind of unexpected twist to the story. And yet in the early days of Moses, she contributes to his survival and consequently to the lineage and legacy that will stem from him in a crucial way. Her courage, conviction and commitment are just as important as those of the Hebrew women. Pharaoh's daughter was under no illusions. She knew exactly what she was seeing when she picked the basket out of the Nile and her choice was deeply courageous. Think of what she was doing here. She knew the edict in place from her father. She knew that in her arms she held a child that her father wanted killed. And yet she went against the rule of the king and secured safety for Moses and consequently for his family too. It was one thing. It was one child. In the grand scheme of things, maybe it doesn't seem very much, but I believe that we see here how God sees and honours those little moments of courage, of conviction and of commitment in our lives and here in the lives of these five incredible women. And we could easily stop there and think, that's kind of a lot right now. I've got to get some conviction. I've got to be more committed. And in a time when I don't feel very courageous at all, I've somehow got to drum up some courage. That sounds totally fun and doable, right? As Zach touched on a few weeks back, it was not by pure human efforts that meant these women could act as they did. They did what they could They made their step forward using what they had at their disposal. But crucially, it was God who faithfully held the rest. God was working through every moment of these stories that we read here. And these small moments of courageous faith from these women paved a way for God to work through the life of Moses in incredible ways. God is working through every moment of your life, the good the bad, the dark, the joyful, every moment. In 1 John 4, we read a little verse that you may know. It says, we love because he first loved us. And I think we can apply the same principle here. We're only able to be faithful, to be courageous, to have conviction, to be committed because God is already all of those things for us all of the time. God is deeply committed to bringing the full reality of the restoration of what had been broken to you today. He was deeply committed to that repair that he sent his son Jesus. And your part in response is to do what you can to make your next step forward today. Maybe you know that strong conviction is lacking in your life right now. Perhaps you feel unsteady and easily rocked. A lot of us do, tired and worn from a pandemic year. You know you need an anchor. God's word is your anchor and it is right here. If nothing else, it can be in your ears for 15, 20 minutes a day through rooted. And from those daily seeds, 
a healthy and graceful life will grow that can sustain you. But familiarity and regularity are the only things that will water those seeds of faith to the point of fruition. So get yourself some conviction. Do you feel a lack of commitment in your life? Maybe postponed and cancelled plans, hurt and disappointment have made you wonder if commitment is really worth the effort. The first direction your commitment should go in, the daily direction your commitment should go in, before you commit to anything else, commit to the Lord. Psalm 37 verse 5 says, commit everything you do to the Lord. Trust him and he will help you. Perhaps the call to you today is to commit. And as we lean into this covenant relationship that we have with Jesus, as we respond to his deep and abiding commitment to us with our own faltering offerings of commitment in return, we will be growing in courage with each passing day. And courage always leads us somewhere. It looks different for every person. Your God-given responsibility, your calling in God's kingdom towards courage is perfect and beautifully unique. But first and foremost, it's a work of the heart. Courage is always birthed in the heart. As each of these five women, Shipra, Pua, Miriam, Jochebed and Pharaoh's daughter stepped up to play their part, not always feeling adequate, not always knowing the outcome, standing against the norm, they model what heartfelt courage, conviction and commitment can look like in God's kingdom. And their courage was a beautiful reflection of God's eternal work throughout the generations. What is that going to look like in your life today? How can you participate? There is an invitation to you today. Let me pray. So Jesus, I thank you that you showed us what conviction and commitment and courage looked like in your life, in your ministry, in your death and in your resurrection. God, I thank you that the invitation is the same to us, to participate with you, to grow in conviction, in a love of your word and in a, a reliance on it, your transformative word. I thank you that you call us to commit, that you call us to tether our hearts to something. So will you help us to tether our hearts to you today? And I thank you, God, that you are calling us to courage. Forgive us for where we've thought courage is something that will require um, a whole lot of earthly and human work. Call us back to the heart of courage. Call us back to heartfelt courage. And give us the strength to participate in that today. Amen.